Several weeks of spending time with people in in the office counseling and doing different things where people have said to me things like, you know, life is a battle. Life is life is tough. It just it just seems like I am constantly fighting. And so I thought to myself, I'm going to I've got one week here before I start in the month of March kind of talking. We're going to spend three or four weeks looking at the death, burial, and resurrection. Obviously, it's a good month to lead into that time to do that. But before I do, I wanted to kind of preach a, one, a one-hit wonder here, I hope, of doing the battle of life and winning. Because life is tough. Life is tough. I want to read this text to you and then give you a little bit of insight to what's going on. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, starting in verse 18. Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. And they set out, and Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in His prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise Him for the splendor of His holiness. And as they went out, At the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. So here's the here's kind of the quick setting. And then we're going to break it apart a little bit, go a little deeper at the front end and at the tail end. Jehoshaphat has some men come and say to him, there are these huge armies that are mounting this this war against you and they're coming to wipe you out. Okay, folks, this is a really bad day in the neighborhood. This is a really bad day, and I want you to think about your worst day. The worst day where you look out upon life and you say, can it really get any worse? I'm about to face a devastating army that I can't even remotely begin to fight on my own. It's a really bad day. Built into Jehoshaphat's response is, okay, I'm going to designate some guys and they're going to sing out ahead of the army and they're going to praise God. That was part of his answer. So let that be kind of a a peek at what we're going to talk about this morning. Because, folks, we have those really bad days, right? You and I and the world around us have those really bad situations in life where we look at it and think, is there even a solution for this? God. And what I want to promise you this morning is that there is. And it's a big solution. In fact, it's the solution that created the solution. It's our Lord and Savior. 
a metaphor used in the Bible over and over again for the Christian life is that of a battle. Point number one in our outline. The Bible makes it clear that following God, church, isn't easy. Teenagers, look at me for just a second. I'm telling you straight up, following God's not going to be easy. Not being sinful, and especially in adolescence, is not going to be easy. It's going to be the hardest thing you've done up to this point in your life. Because everybody else around you is going to tell you it's okay. And adults, can I hear an amen to that? Will somebody say amen? Help me out with these kids because they need help. We all need help, right? But I need your help here. We want, we want you to know that ahead of time. And adults raising these adolescents, being a parent's not going to be easy. Can I get an amen to that? All you older folks who have done it, can you shout amen? amen. It's just not easy. It's a battle. And we're on a battlefield that we can't see. And that oftentimes we can't understand. It's spiritual in its nature. So while God tells us that life's going to be a battle and walking with God's going to be a battle, He also gave us the answer. He gave us Him. He gave us Him. And this is why the Bible also teaches us that there's victory. And that it's already been fought and won by God through Jesus. Look at Ephesians 6, 11 and 12. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and it's not against blood, but it's against the rulers and the authorities and against the powers of this dark world. And it's against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So what the Bible teaches here is that you're armed to fight. But it's going to be like swinging at, at someone that you can't see, you can't touch. You're just, you're just aimlessly swinging. I watched a, a, a black belt test one time, and one of the things they did in this test was they put a blindfold on the person testing. And it was like the old baseball thing where you take the bat and you spin around and you do that about 20 times and then you try to walk. Well, this person, they spun him around so many times with him touching his toes and then he had to stand there and try to do his, his kata. And he was just swinging aimlessly. And sometimes that's the way our spiritual fighting is. Because we can't see the enemy. But I promise you, he's there. I want you to know that God makes sure we're equipped for this battle. And we're equipped, listen to this church, with him. With him. Point number two, the story God offers in the Bible of Jehoshaphat is given to illustrate certain spiritual principles that we can take on to win the battle. God has given us what we need for victory, and that victory is found in Jesus. The just of the just of Second Chronicles in chapter 20 is this. Jehoshaphat finds out about this huge army that's getting ready to come against him. And church, what I want us to see is the first thing he does is he takes it to him in prayer. He begins to pray and he begins to apply these principles. So, church, the first thing I want to talk to us about this morning is whatever that battle is that's stirring, whatever that battle is that you're in the middle of fighting, have you began that battle and the fight for your victory on your knees in prayer? Because Jehoshaphat here 
shows us that even when you're in, you don't you don't start rallying the troops. You don't start getting the rations together for battle. You start on your knees in prayer, taking it to God. So I'm going to give you these seven points this morning that I want you to write down there on your outline. I want you to take it to heart and and do some thinking about it. They they really helped me. And I'm going to begin to use these even as bullet points in some of my counseling with people. And I'm really I, I was blessed by this text. The first one is this to engage in spiritual battle. You must identify the enemy. I'd like to share with you a quote this morning from uh, Sun Tzu. He was a great Chinese general, military strategist, and philosopher. He wrote The Art of War. And this is a book that's influential in the war strategies of the Eastern and Western hemispheres. He lived sometime around 450 to, or 550 to 450 BC. He said this if you know the enemy, and you know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. Now think about that from the Christian perspective. If you know who you really are in Jesus, and you know who the enemy is, and I'm going to make this easy, church, for just a second. We know at the core of our battle, the enemy is Satan, and the victor is God. And it's the Holy Spirit that lives inside us. We know at the foundation of our spiritual battle that to be the truth. If we know who we are and we know who the enemy is, then we don't have to worry about the battle. Because the victory's already won. The battle's already had. We can go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis. And God teaches us that I crushed the head of the serpent. That was a nice watch too. Doggone it. That's the Holy Spirit. Whoa. He crushed the head of the serpent. Victory's already won. I want us to hear that this morning. Look at, look at what knowing the enemy was all about in 2 Chronicles 20, verses 1 and 2. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, with some of the Maonites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hezazon, Tamar, that is in Gedi. I want you to know here that Jehoshaphat knew what he was up against. He knew how large it was. He knew what the problem, the problems that could arise from, arise from it. And so his first approach was to go in prayer. The second point here is in spiritual battle, it's important not to be driven or guided by emotion alone. I want you to think about this for just a second, because emotion has so many different variables. I, I used the illustration this morning. It's kind of like watching you. If you line 10 people up to watch like one of those lifetime movies, my wife and I watch these all the time. And I can almost guarantee that we don't have the same emotional response. Okay, mine's like, that's stupid. <laughs> and hers, you know, she's crying and, oh, you know, the whole world's going to fall apart. No, it's not. It's a lifetime. We do not respond emotionally. There's so many different variables to emotion. 
Um, there's a chart that they use in mental health that has happy faces all the way down to sad faces. It's kind of like they use that on your cell phone now. You can respond with faces. There's like a million faces. That means there's a million different emotions. There's too many variables. So with Christianity, what we have to practice is knowing truth and having clarity from the truth. Truth and clarity in Scripture bring conviction. You hear me, church? Truth and clarity in Scripture bring conviction. Listen to what James says in James 1, 19 and 20. I think we've got a slide with that on it. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce righteousness that God desires. Do you see here really quickly how emotion can get in the way of God's desire? Anybody ever been quick to get mad at something and then regret it? Anybody relate to me on that? Yeah, that that happens a lot, doesn't it? What about, has, have any of you just really gotten sad about something and then you realize, I really didn't need to be that sad? Are you boys, have you guys like really cried over a girl or something and then figured out, what? They're not going to admit it, but they have. They have. Emotion has too many variables. God wants us to work from conviction that stems from truth and clarity. That brings us to the third point. When the enemy is identified and emotions begin to rise, one must take the problems to the Lord in prayer. Listen to this. I, I made this up, I think. Begin a battle on your knees and pro- proclaiming victory so you don't end up in the battle on your knees in defeat. The posture of defeat in so many cases is to be on one's knees bowed at the victor. I think as Christians, we need to begin the battle on our knees to the victor. This is the place we begin. Whatever doubts I have in myself or in my situation can be eliminated or solved by taking my problems and my my battles to God in prayer. You know, Second Chronicles 25 through 12, leading into what I read to you, is all about Jehoshaphat praying to God and asking him for guidance and asking what to do. And what's really funny about this church is what comes out on the other side is I'm going to put a, I'm going to put a choir in front of the army and we're going to sing. And we're going to praise God. And we're going to watch God do what God does. And that's when. See, that prayer time and, and, and submitting that to prayer in God gave Jehoshaphat a much different answer than what most generals, most kings would be given. Would you honestly think that a king would come up with the idea of putting singers in front of the army and we're going to sing and praise God while we watch the battle? That's weird. But that's God. And sometimes God does weird things. Things to get his way. Whenever possible in this prayer time and in these thoughts, take it, take everything back to Jesus, take your problems, take your battle, take your fight back to Jesus. And whenever possible, take it as close to the foot of the cross as you can get. Because it's there that God will speak to you most clearly. And your problem will not seem so great when you look up 
at a crucified Christ. Church, this is such an important part of this process. And I, I, I need you to, to be on board with me there. I, I'm learning this as I go. I'm learning so much about this in just recent weeks and months. I want to share a quote, uh, but first point four, that to successfully battle in the spiritual realm and in life, you must admit you need help. And for just a minute, I'm going to I want to run parallel with this on a on a modern issue, and that's that's mental health. I I took a uh, quote from uh, a young woman named Margaret Larson, and she's a writer and columnist for NBC News and the Today Show. And she now works for AIDS and HIV for World Vision and the Mercy Corps in Africa. And she talks on in the mission field on mental health strategies. She said this. Mental illness is an equal opportunity illness. Every one of us is impacted by mental illness. One in five adults are dealing with this illness, and many are not seeking help because the stigma that comes along with it. Now, why do I say this? And and, and this is why. It, It illustrates our relationship to some degree with God. In that in life, we have hard times admitting when we need help. We have worked. It's it's a terribly difficult thing to do. And in, and in the case of mental illness, what I wait on is I wait for that person to call me and say, Tony, I'd like to come in and talk to you. I need some help with something. In fact, I will tell you this. I've had person after person call me and say, you know, Tony, I've got a sister that needs some help. I need to make an appointment. Or Tony, you know, my, my mom really needs some help. I, I, I need you to I need you to see her. Uh, I need you to make an appointment. And you know what I do? I give that person my card. And I say, you have that person call me and make an appointment. Why? Because I can't help them until they decide they need help. God can't help us. Until we decide we need help. It's that part of lifting your hands to God and saying, Father, pick me up. Help me up. We can't do spiritual battle until we decide that we need help. James 4 and verse 6 says this, but he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture said God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Part of our spiritual battle is being Humble enough to understand when we need help. Teenagers, especially to you coming, you're coming out of adolescence and into adulthood, don't allow issues to go unaddressed. Adults, don't allow depression and anxiety to go unaddressed. Don't allow your spiritual relationship with God to go unaddressed because you're afraid to say, I need help. Because you're embarrassed to say, I need help. Don't allow your addiction or your financial issues to lead you astray just because you're afraid to say, I need help. There's an army, a family of people that love God that are here to help you. God Himself waits from the heavenly realm. And can you imagine what it's like to be a father in heaven to hear His child who's struggling on earth with sin say, Father, I need help. How powerful is that? 
If you've ever been a parent here on earth dealing with a child that needed help and you finally heard those words out of their mouths, I will tell you it's one of the most powerful things you'll ever hear because that's when you know the world is turned. Is when they say, I need help. God is there to help us. Number five, not one of life's problems is more powerful than the power and strength of God. Look at Second uh, Chronicles 20 and verse 12. Our God will not, our God, our God, will you judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Hebrews chapter 12 says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. The key here, church, is that we need to have our eyes fixed on God. We need to find our solutions in our Father in heaven as we do these battles. Number six. When in the midst of life struggles, one must try to relax in their faith. Relax. Yeah, kind of like sending a chorus out in front of an army and watching the battle be fought and won. Giving God the glory for what He's already done. Jeremy Sykes writes in a blog, it's called Good Morning Inspirational Quotes, and he said this, Today I've made up my mind to leave doubts and fears behind because they are too hard to live with. I'm going to live an inspired, faith-filled, victorious life which goes above and beyond my past. What if every morning we could wake up already proclaiming victory? You know, in this story, Jehoshaphat demonstrates just that. They're going to stand there and they're going to proclaim victory before the battle's ever fought. <laughs> How would that psych out your opponent? Right? What if what if what if they stormed the court before the game was played? That'd freak everybody out, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. What if what if they just handed your team the trophy before you ever played? It'd be wrong, but in this case it's right. We need to be a people who learn to celebrate. Look at Second Chronicles 20 and verse 15. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who lives in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid, discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Our troubles and our battles in this life are not ours to be fought. They're God's. And if we line them up and put them in line to God and we begin to allow God to solve those, then what we can do is sit back and celebrate the victory in God. I promise you this morning, church, God does not. God is not fearful of your illnesses, your struggles, your strife. God is powerful enough to take over all those things. You don't have to worry about your sicknesses. You don't have to worry about your financial troubles. You don't have to worry about any of that. You focus on God and He will help you come up with a solution. 
He will use his people to help you. He will use the power and strength that he gives you through the spirit. He will use his army of people to join together and help us through that. But it's got to be given to him. Successfully fighting these battles are all about giving them to God. And thinking about these seven principles. Finally, the most important practice in facing life's trouble is taking time to thank God in advance. God has already won the spiritual battle in your life. He's already won the physical battles. One finds victory in life's issues through God. And I, I want us to be able to hear that this morning. Look at, look at what happens in this battle. When the battle's over, and really essentially what happens is Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat and his people stand and they watch this battle take place, and the enemies actually defeat each other. They destroy each other. They get in an ambush, and what they end up doing is in crossfire. They fight each other and they defeat each other, and then God's people come in to take the plunder. So they're singing and they're praising while they're watching these two enemies. They're watching God pawn them against one another and the battle's over and the smoke clears and his army never lifted a sword. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value more than they could take away. This was so much plunder that it took three Days to collect it all. Second Chronicles 20 and 25, the end of this story. God wants to give you that victory in your battles. God wants us to carry away victory and to celebrate victory with Him. And He doesn't want to just bless you with a little. He wants to bless you with greatness. And in church, to get the idea and understand this, you have to be able to think about it from the spiritual perspective. How big is eternity? To you this morning, what value do you place on eternity? Because if that's, your, if that's the plunder that God wants to give you, can it be any bigger? Can eternal life with God in heaven be any bigger? Because that's the victory. That he's waiting to give us in all of life's battles. I want to share a story with you written by Ravi Zacharias. He's an Indian-born Christian apologist. Thought to be one of the, the greatest minds of this theoretical time. And he works with a lot of deeper thinkers. He's authored a number of books and done a, a, a lot of different work. But Ravi writes this. He tells the amazing story of a young Christian in Vietnam. He writes, I was ministering in Vietnam in 1971. And one of my interpreters was Hein, hein Pham, an energetic young Christian. He worked as a translator with the American forces and was an immense help to them and the missionaries and other people and myself. Uh, hein traveled the length of the country. and became, We became very close friends before I returned home. He did not know our path. We did not we did not know if our paths would ever cross again. Seventeen years later, I received a telephone call. Brother Ravi, the man asked immediately. I recognized Hines voice 
And he soon told me his story. Shortly after Vietnam fell, Hein was in prison on accusations of helping the Americans. His jailers tried to indoctrinate him to steal his Christian identity and his Christian faith. He was restricted to communist propaganda written in French and Vietnamese. And he got a daily deluge of Marx and Engels before. And, and it began to take its toll. Maybe he thought I've been led astray. Maybe God does not exist. Maybe the West has deceived me. So Hein determined that when he awakened the next day, he would not pray anymore. He would no longer pray and spend time with God. The next morning, he was assigned the dreaded chore of cleaning the prison latrines. As he cleaned out the tin can that overflowed on the side of the stool, his eyes caught what seemed to be English printed on a piece of paper. He hurriedly grabbed it and washed it off. And after his roommates had gone to sleep at night, he retrieved the paper and read these words. Romans chapter 8. Trembling, he began to read, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him. For I am convinced that nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And he began to weep. He knew his Bible and he knew that there was not more relevant passage for the one on the verge of surrender. He cried out to God asking for forgiveness, for this was to have been the first day that he would not pray. After finding the scripture, he asked the commander if he could clean the retreats every day. And each and every day he would take the paper that one of the generals was using to wipe himself and he would clean it off. And he would take the scripture back to his room. And he would read it at night. And it kept him praying and it kept him alive. The story kind of makes us feel bad when we won't even blow the dust off our Bible. What are you willing to do today to fight your fight, to do your battle, but to do it spiritually? What are you willing to do today to hand it off to Him and to just be a servant and to do what He directs you to do and let the Spirit guide you? Are you willing to have faith enough to stand out in front of the army and just sing praises? Are you willing to have enough courage not to bow down or to give in? But when there's, a, when there's a, what seems like an unsurmountable force that's, that's bearing down on you, to take a posture of praise. These are some of the keys to winning the battles of life. Because there's some battles in life, guys, the answers the world offers just doesn't make sense. And they're not good ones. And they don't bring good outcomes. And there's sometimes this life is just tough. But it's in those times that you have to know the value of eternity. Because that's what God offers. That's what He gives us. And that's what He grants us. Today, we're going to have our time of invitation. And, and as always, please, if, if there's a way that we can help you in your battles this morning you you know to come up and we're going to pray with you we're going to spend time with you if you want to be baptized into christ this morning and put on the full armor of god and begin your battle that's what we're here to do this morning that's 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 why we come together for you our friends in the community 
for the church this morning, we have a young man that's committed to go out in front of the army and sing and praise. And he and his wife, Eric and Rachel Gibbony, are in China, in the mission field, and they're working. And they've asked for some support on some things. And I pray that you've prayerfully thought about supporting that this morning and supporting this soldier that's spiritually fighting for the kingdom. Uh, We're going to take that collection at the conclusion of the invitation song, um, and then we'll deal with other things as they come. But that we've kind of relegated this time for that, and then I'll have a prayer for Eric and Rachel and their work. Let's stand and sing.